to TMBC's Comic Book Workshop, brought to you by Panel by Panel Magazine and our lovely supporters on Patreon. I'm Jason Hammonds, a writer who also draws. And I'm Ken Heidelman, an artist who also writes. Look, we're both making comics, but still kind of learning how to make comics. After combing through libraries, the internet, fighting hordes of demons for their precious knowledge of making comics, we thought it might be a good idea to share our notes and hopefully help you make your own comics as well. So what's on the agenda today, Jason? Oh, today, Kent, we've got a three-pronged episode. Count them. One, two, three. There's as many prongs as there are horns on a triceratops. Uh, today we are talking to Ken Lashley, the lead killer himself. Uh, we're talking to Jordan Boyd, and we are discussing the advantages of Clip Studio uh, as opposed to things like Photoshop or even traditional art. Um, in this first interview... Sounds good. It's, it, it'll be a good time. This first interview, like I said, with Ken Lashley, you may know him from all sorts of things uh, recently of X-Men Gold, as well as all sorts of, like... I mean, really, X-Men titles, he's made himself a huge name on X-Men titles ever since, like, 93. He's gone back and forth in that uh, X-Universe, as well as dipping into a bunch of stuff like Titans and Wetworks and The Darkness and and all sorts of other uh, comics from, I mean, virtually every publisher you can think of in the States. Uh, Ken Lashley is an awesome creator uh, whose work I've always enjoyed. He's got a great Twitch channel, and and he's a super chill guy, Um, so... Definitely, I think uh, you'll all enjoy that interview. And then Jordan Boyd is a colorist who you know from books like Green Lantern, Earth One, Deadly Class, Evolution, Mother Ooh. Panic, Invisible Republic. He's a wonderful colorist and another very, very helpful uh, follow on Twitter. Um, both of those guys, super those great. great titles. Dang. They're awesome titles. I think the coloring on Green Lantern, Earth One uh, could be thrown in some sort of comic book coloring education course. Um but uh, yeah, those those should be great and informative interviews for all of you artists and writers out there. Um, and uh, then once that all that stuff's over, once the bills are paid in the ad break, come on back and we'll talk to you, or Kent really will be talking to you, about uh, Clip Studio Pro. But without further ado... Buckle up. Let's, uh, let's get right into that interview with Ken Lashley. Artists on uh, X-Men Gold and doing some cool stuff at Milestone Relaunch on Icon and Rocket. Awesome, man. Uh, did you... So, obviously, your, your career has been, uh, I'd say, you know, very, very well known over the years. Um, did you have any type of, like, formal training or art school? Uh, I went to Ontario College of Art, which is in Toronto, Canada. Um, I actually uh, was a dropout, a bit of a dropout, because I, but it wasn't in a bad way. I was more like I really kind of knew what I wanted to do and I just kind of wanted to get to it. So, um, you know, sure, I, I was 19 and I didn't quite quite understand what I was, but I know that I was not really uh, interested in what they had to do. I wanted to get on with it. I just wanted to get going. And uh, what's the worst thing you can say about Steve Lieber? Uh, he's, he's a really nice guy. That's all I can say negative about Steve Lieber. He's a super nice guy. He draws, he draws amazing animals. I give him that. How about that? Um, so did you, as you were, you know, obviously you talked about uh, kind of, you know, doing the dropout thing, feeling like you were ready to move on from art school. Did you have any any type of mentors or did you sort of find your own way uh, in the world? Um, I had um, a lot of uh, people that were I really respected around me that were just good people. And they weren't, they weren't necessarily artists or mentors. They were just people that had done uh, quality things and they're just 
people that I've come across in my travels that they were just good people. Um, and, uh, and I would read a lot about, um, there used to be a TV show call on CNN called Business Unusual. I know it sounds really, it's an old school. No, I, yeah, I feel like I've yeah. seen like and it, and it was really cool. It was these great businesses and very successful people that were in the unusual businesses. And I thought that was, I used to love that show. And I was like, you know, I would love to, you know, I just like that kind of thing. So I was always, I was always keen to do something interesting and try to do something interesting because I, I love comic books and that's not a normal career. You know, I, you don't know anybody who's done it, you know, so, you know, and I live in Canada, so there, was, there wasn't a lot of people around me that was like, oh yeah, this guy, he, he can help you. So I was definitely on my own and reading a, reading a lot of magazines and trying to find it on my own. So it was, uh, it was a difficult time, but it was fun time, you know, it was a fun time. Were you so when you when you sort of got like I guess really the the first question or the first part of this question is what do you sort of consider your big break? Uh, it's got to be the first job I had that was uh, of any note, and the first job I ever worked on was uh, uh, Age of Apocalypse uh, Excalibur. So getting hired on Excalibur, which is my first job, was probably my biggest break because it put me in a public eye. Hey, man, and um, it was like, it put me on a public eye on a big stage, you know. And then I think the third book I did. Um, in the X-Men office was, um, I think it was Age of, it was Age of Apocalypse. I did too, and then it was that. So right off the bat, people knew who I was, and it was stuff was terrible. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. But but it was it was it was my terrible. So I guess I could I guess enjoy it. I guess, but it, it wasn't great stuff. So when you're when you're sort of climbing through those those ranks, right? Like you get you get that big break and stuff. Is there what's what's your main focus in that time, and what do you think that you were able to do? Uh, to cause that to continue and, and turn into a career? I really think it was about getting better all the time. I mean, it's so cliche, but that's what I was doing. I was just working at my own stuff and trying to get better every day and not worrying about the other stuff that I can't control. Like, I mean, they always say, control the things you can't control, can't control and the rest will come to you. And that's, it's so hard, it's so cliche and it's so silly, but it, but it's true. I mean, I mean I, all I could really could control was the drawing, you know? I can't control what someone thought of me or anything. I can only control what I can draw. So the more I drew and the more I could control that, the easier it was for me. And then, and then the work speak, spoke for itself, and then you end up getting more success. So it's kind of a, a weird cycle where if you if you worry about things that have nothing to do with drawing, then you're gonna worry that that's what your career will be about. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but I worry about only drawing, you know. And um, it really helped me because I didn't I didn't care about being the social media darling and all that jazz. I just wanted to be the best artist I could be. And now I'm at the point of my career where that's all that really matters, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, and so to kind of get into some of the, the sort of in-the-weeds stuff of your process, um, when you're working, do you typically prefer to work from a full script or Marvel style or somewhere in between? What's your what's your typical preference on that? Um, I work with any type. It doesn't really matter. But I don't like to be handcuffed. I like to be I'd be able to give them the chance to uh, add my, add my, my, uh, my way of thinking to it. You know, nothing's worse than a, and, than a writer telling you exactly what they want and then you have to just draw it. You know, you should, you know I don't want to be just... Uh, the term that I use a lot is just be a pair of hands, right? You're not, I don't want you to think, just be a pair of hands. But I don't like that kind of stuff. But, I mean, but I have, I've been fortunate not to work on those kinds of scripts a lot. I do a lot of stuff that's... The, the writer really expects me to add something to it. I work with Mark Guggenheim and, you know, some other cool people. You know, Gail Simone and, you know, working with, you know... Uh, just, just really cool people that allow you to, you know, Reggie Hudlin, you know, those kinds of guys just kind of let you, you know, those kinds of art uh, writers really let you be you, you know. So. And as we're talking right now, I'm seeing you uh, go to work with, you know, all sorts of different traditional materials like Copic markers and pencils and inks, all that stuff. Uh, but when you're working on a page, are you a traditional guy or digital? 
I'm I I'm do both, but I mostly uh, when I do comics, it's mostly traditional. And uh, why why do you prefer uh, traditional? It's like the way it feels. I mean, I, that's how I grew up. It's like, you know, I I, I cut my teeth that, on the, that way, so I definitely like to just use the old materials and tactile and touch the paper and all that stuff. I just like to do it that way. Right on, right on. Um, and then uh, in terms of like. When, you, when you're looking at, uh, you know, like, people come to conventions like this, right, they might show you their portfolio or kind of ask some feedback or whatever. What do you think is the most consistent uh, sort of problem or struggle for younger artists to overcome? Oh, uh, man, it's, it's, you know, that's interesting. That, but they're so, I, don't, I wouldn't say that everyone has the same problems. I would think most of it is just um, construction, like, you know, how to build forms, how to lay out pages. I mean, the stuff that we all have problems with. I mean, I have problems with. I just seem to hide mine better because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional. But it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's a matter of making proper choices, you know. Like maybe I've always been told people either draw when they're learning, they either draw this, the moment too early or too late, like the punch not quite where it needs to be, you know. But I think that's that's an interesting way to look at it. But um, I sometimes I didn't quite understand that at first. I was like, I didn't quite understand that. But as I get older, I realize I know exactly what that means. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, and but it really comes down to most of the amateur guys. Have a you know they don't know what to focus on on a page. It's a little off center. It's a, they want to draw a really cool shot of the character, but they may, maybe in this page that's not warranted. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that kind of thing. So I mean that's really what it comes down to. Were there uh, were there any like you know books or sort of just learning materials in general that were out there? Obviously outside of art school itself, uh, but were there any learning materials that that you think helped you more than anything else in your career? Yeah, I, I bought a book called Constructive Anatomy. Constructive Anatomy was a good. It's, it's a big. It's a it's a chapter in a in a larger book and it's Bridgman. a Bridgman book and it's and that was a book that I bought. I mean, I didn't. It's funny. I bought that book and I recommended it to a lot of people, but I don't remember using it that much but a good, it's good to have it in your something to look at as an artist because I don't because that wasn't one of my weaknesses wasn't the construction part of it but I'm glad I had it because I did learn a lot of stuff from it I mean like things here and there but that wasn't my one of my my weaknesses more storytelling and, and pacing and those are the kinds of things I had to work on so everyone has something but that's a, but it's a good base once because really the reason why you're, you're able to work on your storytelling is because you you've got rid of the construction part of it. Like you, you know how to draw, now tell a story, right? So that's that's why I, I didn't use it as much as I could after the first year or so. I looked at it a lot in the first year. Well, that's cool. And then oh yeah, I get it now. Well, I relatively get it. And then now I'm, now I'm on to the next thing. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I got a we we have our our like whole list of questions here that I want to make sure that I get the the big ones covered. Um, what's a, what element of your work gives you the most personal satisfaction? Wow, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any real personal satisfaction in the sense of why like, this part's more important than the other part. I just think that it's it's great to work on things you've loved as a kid. I think that's being able to say that you know when you walk into it, somebody meets you and says, "Oh, what do you what do you do for a living?" And you say, "You draw." for a living and then say that you draw X-Men is, is probably the coolest part of it, right? <laughs> like saying you draw, oh, I draw this and then they go, oh, what's that? But yeah. when you say, oh, I draw X-Men, I draw Superman, I draw Spider-Man, I draw... Yeah. Those are phenomenal things to be able to, to have them in your, in your... in your To be able to say those things in your portfolio. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm most proud of, of some of the things that I've worked on, I think. Awesome. And I think that's what... I mean, it may sound a little facetious, and they, but, but, but it definitely is... Um, th- that's what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud of saying, yeah, I've worked on, I'm, I'm working on X-Men. That's yeah. awesome. No, that's amazing. I'm, I'm so happy that I love, X-Men was my favorite thing to work, as a kid. So and to work on it now is ridiculous. Uh, 
do you, being a guy who does work traditionally, obviously you probably have a whole sort of arsenal of pens and markers and stuff, as I'm even seeing here, and I'm sure your desk is even even more crazy. You, you, you have no idea. <laughs> I've spent, my, my daughter made a living out of just checking for dead pens. Uh, she, she's made a lot of money with me. Is there, uh, is there a one specific like pen or, or just even like tool in general that you think has, has elevated your art more than anything? Um, not, not really, I would say. I would just think that it's, um, I have a bit of a, it's a weird when I, I, this may sound really strange, I'm going to say it. Um, but a lot of times when people say things like, like what pen do you use and what, what program do you use? It's like, it's like, imagine if you were a race car driver and someone said, what car do you drive? And you say, well, I'm a race car driver. It doesn't matter what car I drive. I mean, I'm a, I'm a race car driver. So when I get in the front seat, I'm yeah. a race car driver. And that's the same thing with an artist. Like, yeah, I'm an artist. So it doesn't matter what the tools are. Yeah. I'm an artist, right? So I go I go get the cheap stuff at the art supply store. If I, if I feel that it's going to help me, why not? Yeah, yeah. Because it's what I do with it that's important, not what it is. So, yeah, I go to Jet Pens and I buy a lot of stuff and I buy all that. But in the end, if I grab a, if I grab a Crayola marker that my daughter left on the floor... I could draw a Batman with that, and people would know the difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it really comes down. Uh, is there is there a comic book artist uh, whose work sort of has has taught you or inspired you more than than uh, anyone else? Yeah, John Byrne, one hundred percent. Like that was one of the ones I really liked. And you know, um, I also like you know I'm a guy. I'm a kid of the '90s, so. You know, I, I love Jim Lee stuff, and Mark Silvestri, you know, and, and you know, but I mean, I'm, but I'm also an old school guy, so I like Garcia Lopez, and I love, you know, uh, John Buscema. Every time I see a Silver Surfer number one, I got to buy it. I don't care what, you know, I, those are the things I, I, I really enjoy. So, I mean, I guess I like, I like, I like, I like old school people that can really draw. And I mean, stuff that, stuff that I go, that's amazing, you know? Claudio Castellini, you know I mean? Stuff like, you know, Brian Bowman, and things you go like, well, that's amazing. Uh, speaking, and, and you mentioned Jim Lee. Speaking of Jim Lee, he recently kind of issued a challenge for you to start your own Twitch stream <laughs> channel. Yeah. Uh, are you going to do that? I'm, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm working on it now, getting my, getting my rig put together. Okay. You know? okay. I went and I, I, I'm, I'm searching and researching it. And, uh, oh, but Jim better be watch out, man. Be, be careful what you wish for, bro. Be careful what you wish for. I mean, but it's going to be fun. I mean, I, Jim, yeah. Jim's, a, Jim's a good guy. and. You know, it's kind of it's kind of weird that you can you know can call him a friend. It's you know it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre thing for me. Yeah. But it, but it's uh it's fun and I'm definitely going to do that and um it's going to be real cool, man. My rig is going to be pretty crazy. <laughs> you know. I'm assuming that uh, your Twitch side is probably going to be lead killer. I w- I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> you know, I hope that yeah, it's available. But I'm definitely going to do that. Big thanks to uh, Ken Lashley for giving us that interview. And remember, go check him out on Twitter, on Instagram, on every social media platform at Leadkilla. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to his Twitch channel. His videos are very fun. Um, Jim Lee personally issued the challenge for Ken to uh, finally get a, a Twitch stream up and running. And he accepted that damn challenge. So let's make sure we thank Oof. him for it with all of our little subs. Uh, thank you, Jim, too. Jeez. That's yeah, great. I know, right? He threw down the gauntlet. Freaking Jim Lee. Um, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and hear some coloring advice from the great Jordan Boyd. As we mentioned at the top of the show, he is, uh, well known for his work on Deadly Class, Green Lantern, Earth One, Mother Panic, Evolution, Invisible Republic, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Jordan's super great. And, uh, we actually really got into the weeds here on, uh, on, on Photoshop coloring, 
Um, I think he was a little bit relieved to be interviewed by somebody who actually understands coloring. Because uh, <laughs> I think oftentimes when colorists are interviewed, they're interviewed by somebody who's, you know, a writer who's never done any coloring in their lives and doesn't understand the intricacies of Photoshop or setting up your adjustment layers or anything like that. So it was it was a good discussion. And for anybody who's got experience uh, coloring in Photoshop, or even if you don't, it should be a very enlightening interview. So let's uh, let's let's hear it now from Jordan Boyd. When you when you first get a page from an artist, what's what's your typical approach like on a new page? Um, well, first I send it off to an assistant of mine who uh, does what's called the flats. I don't know. Uh, it's the, probably the thing that the fewest people kind of realize goes on uh basically it's a it's a huge time saving thing uh where an assistant uh goes in photoshop and creates a flat kind of randomly colored version of the page where they separate out like every element kind of of it like let's say it's a it's a page of captain america uh you know they will make it so that i can just click on the red stripes on his suit or the red stripes on his uh his shield and just affect those or just color those or paint in certain areas on the page. Uh, anyway, so I send, I send the thing off to a flatter. Uh, they send back a crazy rainbow-colored version that has, like, no bearing on what I end up turning in, but it saves me hours and hours and hours of work. And then uh, a lot of times it's, it's all driven by what's going on in the scene and kind of what light sources there are to work with. Uh, you know, on my image work, I, I tend to take things a little bit more moody or cinematic. Um, uh, and then, like, for Marvel or DC, a lot of times, you know, you got to make sure that their trademark characters, the, the main primary colors of their suits are are what they're, you know, supposed to look like. It doesn't matter if you're standing under a, a colored light source, Superman's still going to be red and blue and yellow. Like, you just got to stick to the trademark a little bit. I mean, there's there's obviously flexibility there, but like, you know, a lot of times uh, it's yeah, it's where's the light coming from? What's the mood of the scene? Is this a scary scene? Is this like a good na- like is this a comedy beat? You know, within the within the story, uh, and you know that I let that kind of sway sway my the mood that I'm trying to go for. Do you uh, do you typically ask your flatters to uh, flat? similar colors to what you're going to be coloring, or do you prefer them to go as far away as possible? I prefer them to be 100% different. <laughs> that makes sense. I, that seems to be the, uh, the the trend among a lot of colorists. There are a few uh, flatters who have since become colorists in their own right, and like, I've worked with some of those guys and gals, and some of them, their color choices would be too good. I would want to use them. So. <laughs> Um, and uh, in terms of like choosing your your color palettes, is there is there sort of a method that you typically have? Uh, at this point, it's like super instinct driven. I mean, but that's you know that's after years of doing it and thinking about it. And I mean, there's definitely some reading on color theory that you do initially, and you kind of internalize that, and then you don't really think about it so much as you just kind of execute it. Uh, I mean, there's times where I do a lot of noodling where I can, I say, well, this isn't working. This isn't, this isn't popping off the page as much as I wanted. Then I, then I have to start really thinking, why is that? Does it need more warmth in the highlights? Or is this light source too similar to, 
and brightness to this other one and it's you know it's all about balancing color variation saturation variation that's like how vibrant or like grayed out a color is and then like actual brightness like and value so you have like those three main avenues of contrast uh, and it's about dialing one of those in to fix problems I, I'm just rambling yeah. now hey, hey I love it I love it um, now and for some of the more uh, kind of in the weeds stuff I guess do you typically work with like adjustment layers or do you prefer to, to do everything on, on kind of like the uh, I'm talking to someone that knows what they're talking about I, yeah, I do. most people when I say adjustment layers even if <laughs> other colorists well, their eyes will glaze over like, I don't know what that does. I, I, I've, I've had some uh, some training. Have you been talking to Tamara Bonvillain? Or uh, no, I actually, I, I took a class from uh, from Chris Northrup in, in coloring in general. Because th- this co- this podcast is, uh, you know, myself and my co-host, we're, we're actually aspiring creators who are making our own right. books. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've, we've learned and we're trying to continue to learn. I've done both where I just pick colors and paint. Uh, but like on Invisible Republic, that one I have a very strict, a, well, a strict base palette that I choose all my colors from. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and some of those, I'm, I mean, I mix it and all that, but like I have a base palette that I work with. But once I've picked out my flat colors, the lighting and everything is done purely with adjustment layers, and it's the same handful of things over every page just with slight variations uh, so that it keeps a unified look. Um, and I, I'm constantly experimenting and tweaking processes. I try not to, like, do the exact same process on any book. So you're not, you're not doing every, every lighting adjustment layer isn't always screen or hard light or something? You kind of... No, uh, like, I mean, if you want to know the secret sauce, like, sometimes it's linear dodge at 30% <laughs> with a really saturated color. Or... It's a levels adjustment layer uh, set to screen that also gives you weird options. Uh, channel mixer. I mean, it's not. I mean, I use all kinds of weird. weird what's stuff. What's been your favorite like uh, uh, tool that you've discovered over the years that's helped your your process the most? Ooh. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say because I mean I've been using Photoshop for almost 19 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, and and like, I mean, there are plugins that come and go that I either use and don't use. But now I'm using, I use Magic Color Picker, which is a pretty standard like plugin for just having a color wheel that you pick from instead of using dialog, you know, boxes and stuff. I am sure there are going to be a lot of people who, when they hear just Magic Color Picker, they go, "What?" Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's that, and then there's another one called. I think it would be pronounced Coolerus. Yep. It's another plugin, equally fine. I I alternate between the two depending on who has a more current version. Uh, <laughs> if I was coloring in CMYK, which I do sometimes, I like Magic uh, Magic Picker because you can lock the K value, which means I can limit how much black ink is being generated in my color choices. So, so you primarily then work in RGB. Uh, that's a pretty recent switch, like this year. Uh, I used to be a, a hardline, like, learn how to do it in CMYK, and if you after you do that, then you can color it RGB. Uh, and that, that worked for me. I don't know that that's actually the right way to do it for everybody, but I when I was first starting out, I was doing RGB and was constantly getting notes from other pros that uh, what I was doing was going to generate too much you know, black and it wasn't going to print well because my initial training was in visual effects and concept art, 
where you don't worry about any of that because yeah, a screen, a screen. Uh, it can do anything. So uh, anyway, so I I took like a vow of CMYK chastity and and learned how to do it the, that way, the right way. And now even working in RGB, I know that the colors I'm picking are going to print right. So I pick I do RGB now because Marvel and DC characters always have glowing energy and. <laughs> All that stuff is just easier to do in RGB. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Are you are you you constantly like checking your proof colors and stuff like that while you're using RGB, or do you just kind of know intrinsically now? I I could probably go without it most of the time, but I do keep proof colors on pretty much always. I instinctively just hit Control Y uh, all the time. So. Yeah. Um, now, what uh, what could line artists do uh, to improve your job? Like, is there something that drives you nuts, or something that they could do to help you out more? How long do you have? Oh, boy. I got all day. <laughs> uh, I won't be able to think of it all uh, right off the top of my head. The main thing is uh, that, that drives me batty is, well, it's, it's one larger problem and then a million different ways that that might present itself. Uh, my biggest pet peeve is when planes within an image are poorly delineated in the line art. Uh, or And a lot of times that's because it's an, as someone who is not a great inker or uh, an inexperienced inker more than like they don't vary their line weights enough so stuff that might be in the distant background might have just as thick and chunky of, a, of an outline as something that's like right by the camera and that sometimes is fine but a lot of times especially if there is foreground middle ground background the deep background sometimes or a crowd or god help you if there's a crowd in that <laughs> case and if there's not enough varied line weight it all falls to me to make that feel like a three-dimensional space that goes back and, you know, has depth. Uh, really, that's my whole thing, is if the line art doesn't have any suggestion of depth to begin with, that means that that makes my job a lot harder. Uh, you know, some people have pet peeves about mismatched or in, in uh, inconsistent light sources and stuff like that. I can usually overcome that unless it's like, you know... They're supposed to be the main. Uh, so a character or an object is supposed to be the primary focus of a of a shot, and they'll put the sun right behind it. I'm like, well, in any any photographic medium, that thing is black, and you just see the, the bright sun. So I, uh, but so that's my bias because I, you know, I came up from visual effects, photography, all that. So I think about camera lenses and exposure and all that stuff. That's all in the back of my head. I'm like, well gosh that would be exposed terribly if it were film and so then I'm just mad that they didn't think about what happens when a sun, the sun is directly behind something it throws everything into silhouette so don't put the sun in your shot unless you really need it to be there uh, I don't know I, there's a million pet peeves but. well may, maybe I'll touch base with you about that uh, later down the road and see what else has popped into your head if you're going to use grayscale and you're not doing traditional ink washes use layers is that so? That's for the digital line artists out there, then. That's, that's for the digital line artists. Uh, keep, if you turn it in with layers, make sure that they make sense or are labeled. But like, yeah, if you're doing all your crazy crackling energy and all that on a separate layer, anyway, just leave it separate, and that way I don't have to select it all and do a color hold. Do you prefer working with a, a traditional artist or digital artist more? Uh, it varies. I, I, it's not actually. I don't have any bias one way or the other. Uh, I have digital artists who are who do pristine work that's always easy to work with, and then I work with other digital artists who have no idea 
what's going to happen when they have like a 70% gray something on the screen. I can't put anything but really bright colors behind that, and it and it still might print like mud. Um, you know, and so, uh, I don't know. I've had good and bad apples from both camps, so. Uh, and how? And I guess this is a this is a, a a colorist side of the of the industry question, which is good to be talking to you. But how can most colorists be better? Who? Um, you don't you don't have to call out any specific names. We'll leave them all alone. Well, no, it's and it's not like a it's not like I have someone in mind. It's yeah, yeah, um, I think the thing that my pet peeve with a lot of. Uh, Aspiring or like inexperienced colors, colorists are uh, their color choices might be either too limited or too uh, too disparate. Like something that kind of unifies palettes. Like find what, there's a million ways to do that, but finding a way to unify your your overall palette uh, may, makes me a lot happier to look at it. But I'm 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 really anal about that, so that's a thing that's I probably overemphasize. Um, and uh, so so a couple more questions for you, uh, and then I'll I'll get out of your hair, let you get back to it. Um, how can writers make your job easier? Just make sure you mention what time of day it is, uh, if it's important. If uh, if something's glowing and it's and it's story important, tell me what color that glow should be. Um, there's not usually a whole lot of like, especially the superhero stuff. It, mostly dealing with characters and things you already know about, uh, so it's le- like I find that is less hectic. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just if you have something in mind, let me know what you're thinking, and don't expect me to guess and get it right. Thank you so much to Jordan Boyd. That was uh, always good to hear about how to do coloring. It, it's a it's a very very underrated part of the comics production, but is always a huge huge. Yeah, uh, I, I sometimes think that coloring is the the most important part of a comic. I feel like I could look at mediocre line work with excellent colors a lot easier than I can look at great line work with terrible colors. You know what I mean? I hundred percent agree. Abs- uh. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it makes a difference between like a pro comic and uh, an amateur one. You're oh, just like, absolutely. absolutely! Look at those colors. As soon as you see like muddy colors with like horrible rendering or something like that, you're like, ah. Oh, at least for me, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not reading that comic, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I know it sucks, but like some of those have charm though. Yeah. When uh, you have the not the not the bad coloring, but the ones that are like, oh, this this line works kind of like weird and kooky, but it's got great colors. Mm-hmm. There's some charm to it then, but not pop. the other way around typically. Uh, yeah, exactly. make sure you uh, you go follow Jordan. Uh, his Twitter is at Jordan T. Boyd, and he also has a wonderful uh, Tumblr account. It is boydcolors.tumblr.com, uh, and he'll answer your questions, and, and he shows off a lot of different sort of coloring stuff. It's, it's very interesting, actually. Um, he does, like, these color sketches, uh, which are really cool. Like, there's no real line work. He does everything with colors. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting to look at like it's it's very different uh but but super fun um so make Lots sure you good resources from this episode man wow so many good resources you know we're just we're just handing out resources here <laughs> uh and while we're handing out resources let's let's hand out some some advertising is that a transition <laughs> that's a great transition let's go
Ken, you need to read more. Uh, well, I get told that all the time. Well, I, I'm sure you do, because you still haven't subscribed to Panel by Panel Magazine, Kent. It's the most important magazine in the history of the world. And it's embarrassing, because uh, they're, you know, paying for the show. <laughs> <laughs> they're paying for the damn show, Kent. Uh, they're our headlining sponsor. Panel by Panel Magazine is uh, wonderful, obviously not just because they have my words in it, but mostly because they have my words in it. Um, exactly. Tons of other great comics pros and, and awesome interviews with with some amazing creators. Um, they've done features on all your favorite comics recently. I know they have. Just just go look at it. Check out panelxpanel.com. Uh, let Hass know we sent you. And uh, enjoy the rest of your life with, with the most amazing magazine in the history of comics. Eisner nominated. Eisner nominated. That's true. Eisner Eisner nominated. We are now officially an Eisner losing magazine, but god damn it, we were nominated. <laughs> Can't take that away from this us. Great ad. They love us. <laughs> Kent, tell me about your comic. I've got a comic. It's called Scariest and Screamforth. Go read it. What's uh what's 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 it about? Tell us give us the uh, elevator pitch. We're in an elevator right now, Kent, and I'm the king of Hollywood. Comic okay, Hollywood. King of Hollywood. Look, give me two seconds of your time. Uh, just, and okay, that's are we up already? No, okay, no, no we're, but, we're, uh, the, uh, we're going to the top floor, so it's taking a little longer. Go ahead. Top, oh, top floor. Okay, we got time. Uh, so, Scariest and Screamforth. It's a young adult kind of series. It's about three kid monsters in a monster town trying to solve a mystery. Uh, it's got a spooky, cute vibe to it. Uh, and I try to draw things cute, but there's kind of scary stuff happening. Uh, I think anybody would love reading it. I do. But uh, you should check it out. It's a free comic. Go to scariestandscreamforth.com. Now, is this a comic that people of all ages could appreciate? Pretty much, unless you're like three or four. I feel like if you are reading and you're a human being, then yes. Wonderful. (laughs) Not all ages, but all readings. That warms my cold, cold Hollywood heart. Give me money now. (laughs) Scariestandscreamforth.com, you say? scariestandscreamforth.com yeah go check it out cool. it's a free comic go, go read my stuff if you can and you know give me comments i like i like knowing what you think hell yeah kent hey hey jason let a lot of people want to know how they can patronize us uh we get asked that all the time all the- uh, how can i patronize you better people- can i give condescending remarks people want to be patronizing yes and the way to do that best is through our patreon uh, that's right. Comic oh, Book shit. Workshop has its own Patreon. What? It is TMBC Workshop. If you go to their website, just type in TMBC Workshop, just like all of our social media stuff on this show. Everything. We and got it you unlocked. can go there and there's there's uh, all sorts of rewards that you can uh, unlock and donate to. And it, it helps uh, finance the show. Really, every dollar, we've got a lot of yes. things planned for the show. And all that financing stuff helps uh, us get better and better stuff better quality yes for it we, and, and just so you guys know we're in we will not be vague about anything and where this stuff goes uh the, anything that we get on patreon is going towards either a uh helping us get equipment that will allow us both to do interviews on our own without being near each other since we do kind of live a, a decent way apart uh also b getting us out to conventions to interview more creators like we've been able to uh, but thus far all of our interviews have been at conventions in southern california um as many of you know, there are a lot of creators who don't really come to, to conventions in Southern California very often. Um, and so we're hoping to get out to more conventions so we can talk to more people and sap that juicy, juicy knowledge uh, that, that we're all craving on how to make our comics. They, they, make, they typically make better interviews when we do it in person. Absolutely. So. 100% better. Um, I, I, yeah. I enjoy the Skype interviews very much, and I think they're great. 
but there is something lost when when you're not in person with somebody and there is sort of a familiarness and a comfortability that people i think oftentimes it's just the conversation is better and people are a little more revealing when there's a face that they can talk to exactly and then plus the financing helps us uh get better equipment and we we talked about that a little bit but uh we have good equipment for one of us like it's and we trade it off back and forth and we do a good job of that but we do not live near each other so that is kind of uh, a hindrance yeah a lot of gas money is spent on uh facilitating some (laughs) of this stuff (laughs) especially since we are early since i am in la uh it's it's hard to get out of here sometimes well this is a a great ad for the (laughs) patreon (laughs) go to patreon.com slash tmbc workshop or just search tmbc workshop on patreon's website Thank you so much. Let's go back and talk about some stuff. Before we get into the main topic today, Kent, you you didn't think I was going to do it, but boy, am I doing it. Let's let's catch up on what we've been up to in the comics world. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creative catch-up time, huh? What have you been up to, Jason? Catch me up with your creativeness. Oh, I'm going. Okay. I, I guess I'm first this time. Well, Kent, especially since we're recording the transitions for two episodes on the same day, I'm going to have to figure out how to delineate things. So first, I'm going to pretend that you got a lot done next week. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot done next week. Uh, I have finished uh, the... Don't say the name. Don't say the name. I'm not saying the name. I'm not saying the name. Don't... don't, don't <laughs> this guy's creeping in on my ketchup. I have finished a full script, uh, an outline for a second issue, and seven pages of layouts uh, for a new comic, the name of which I will not say. Just know it's a fun, fun sci-fi comedy adventure. That's that's all I'll say right now. That's a good description. Yeah, that's great. You got a lot done. I've been watching your progress, and it's been... It's been great. You, you know, here's the thing, Kent. So here's uh, relevant to this episode. This episode, we talk about Clip Studio. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is actually really relevant. Yeah, we we recorded this segment actually a few weeks ago. Uh, and since that segment, I decided to go get Clip Studio, which I had not done as we were talking on this episode. Uh, and you will see why when we discuss in this episode, you know, all the advantages and stuff like that, which we only touched the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, I think. we still It was still pretty comprehensive, but there's a lot more that I've learned about since. Since talking yes, about Clip more. Studio, it convinced me to go get it. Uh, yeah, that's how good I did it. I did it. I sold them. Yeah. You really did. And the within two days of getting Clip Studio, I had five pages laid out of this comic. Uh, and, and like pretty, I mean, like I'd say like these layouts are somewhere between uh, standard layout and standard pencils. I'd say like they're a little bit more involved than I think standard layouts, but not quite as involved as regular uh, pencils. Um, I agree. Yeah, and it, I mean it's it's been great, and I literally I know how to use like four things in Clip Studio right now. Like I'm still very bare on my knowledge of how to use it, but it has really upped my productivity. Um, I mean, I the biggest thing is that my computer is so much more able to run Clip Studio without just exactly. like totally overclocking and overheating and so i'm able to zip through stuff and there's no lag on my stylus and all that stuff um it's it's been brilliant well i'm glad to hear that the inner the the discussion that we're about to do <laughs> convinced you so much but yeah it's it's a great program so let's let's dive into it and uh, listen to me ranting no that's right you don't get off that easy you don't get off that easy you gotta try that discussion here we go however 
However, before I hear from you really quick, I do want to say one thing that we didn't really mention on this episode, the perspective tool in Clip Studio. We didn't really talk about it. I don't it. use it. I don't That's think why we didn't talk about it. You don't use I don't, it. I've never used it. But it's amazing. I like I'm still learning how to use it, but it is incredible. As somebody who does not really understand how to like set up a perspective grid like, you know, on paper, <laughs> it's really helpful to have a tool in the computer that allows me to set up a perspective grid without screwing it up. How does that does it drop it down and can you resize it? Yeah, yeah. It's like literally you choose how many point perspective you want. And then it drops it down and you adjust where the horizon line is, where the vanishing points are, you know, like all of it. Like, you know, it it is. How much control do you have over adding guidelines and taking them away? A hundred percent. Like literally all of the control that you could think of having over your perspective grid, you have. (laughs) It's Because sometimes with perspective grids, I need a line that's in between the guidelines mm -hmm. and I would love one that's closer to the line that I'm drawing. Yeah, as far as I've seen, and I'm still learning how to use it, but as far as I've seen, that is like super easy to do. And literally, there's no, here's the crazy thing. There's even a tool that like once you create your perspective grid, you can just click a button and any line that you draw will be in perspective with that grid. Like even if it's not. That's right. I've seen that. Yeah. It locks, it locks your line to whatever the uh, closest, you know, perspective angle is that you're, that you're drawing on. It's. But it's you're still insane. getting the the pressure from the, yes. the stylus, though. So you're still getting your line, yeah. Not it's not just a robotic line, exactly. It's not it's not uh, equidistant or whatever. You know, like it's it's an actual line that you're drawing, but it's locked into perspective. Like it's just it's it's like I'm pretend that I know what that word means. But yes, it's amazing. Keep um. Anyway, <laughs> enough enough about that. <laughs> let's um, let's do a, a, a long intro. <laughs> And talking about a dis- let's do a discussion about this discussion that we're yeah. going <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Clip Studio in the future as I continue to burn through these pages because it's it's got me freaking jazzed. Yeah, we might have to do a, a very very follow up because I also then um, after this and this is the last I swear to God the last of Clip Studio before Clip Studio is I upgraded uh, my Clip Studio so oh, yeah, you well, got the version that I was using and then I upgraded. Yeah, so you, that's did, so you didn't know about uh, what what all the benefits were of EX when we recorded this. So we'll do another episode talking about EX and and following up on stuff. Um, yeah, EX is amazing, but it, it just depends on what your budget is. Totally, uh, it's, it is more expensive. But uh, yeah, so now it's now it's time for me and my creative catch up. Yeah, what you've been doing? Uh, Actually, we could just we could just split it one one for the other. No, nope, let's do it. Let's go ahead. Let's do. It. I'm just doing it. Uh, I'll talk about. I, I, I can split mine up. I know a way to do it. So uh, recently, very recently, yeah. we try to make this an evergreen kind of show. But uh, yeah. since it's so, this is this particular portion of the show is creative catch up. Uh, we went to uh, San Diego Comic Con. Both that of us we did. actually, yeah, got a lot of interviews and there too. That's it. Was not exactly me working on comics, and you will always find a theme in my uh, my catch up, which is how am I working on comics while not working on them. And it, we went there, and I did a ton of interviews, uh, and Jason joined me for a good portion of them as well. Yeah, so was, we were. I was yeah, working on them damn tons. TV shows for uh, for two or three days of the of the. You, con. you were doing your job. Doing You're, my damn you know, job. paying rent is a part of making comics. <laughs> Arguably, the most important part. Yeah. Uh, exactly arguably the objective yeah <laughs> um but yeah i i was glad that i was able to join you down there yeah that was awesome we we had a we had a good time down there uh but when uh also uh, another thing that i did while at san diego between interviews was i went and uh pitched my comic to a bunch of uh, publishers i'm not going to name them but uh, i i showed it to a few and there there was some interest so 
Uh, nothing to announce here yet, and honestly, not nothing to even allude at. But there, there was more than I. I left with a lot more than I. I walked in with. There were, yeah, there were so some that's... very, I think, strong connections that you made, and I think there's uh, some prospects for some awesome stuff uh, coming down the line for you. And I'm sure Thanks, that man. it will be a, a fun adventure to uh, follow as more of this unfolds. Um, exactly. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't. I've. Yeah, I still had some comic stuff for other things, but I, I'm going to pretend that it's been another week when we record the next episode in a few minutes for <laughs> us timeline. But that yeah, was I'm, a big deal. San Diego was huge. That was that cannot was. be under underspoken. Is it was big big deal for both of us. Yeah, it, it really like going down there this year. Uh, absolutely, I think will will turn out to mean a lot for both of our careers. Um, yeah, exactly. San Diego was great. Awesome. Uh, so now that we have thoroughly extended this creative catch up hey kent what's on the what's what's the topic today i'm super pumped for today's episode because i'm going to be talking to you guys about a drawing program called clip studio paint uh there are two versions of it a they call it pro and the other one's ex i'm not sure what the ex one is for because i don't have it it's a more expensive version and i just have the the standard pro version uh but this is an amazing drawing program. Is this and the, if you're, is this the same software that used to be called Manga Studio? Yes, great question. Yeah, uh, the programming software used to be called Manga Studio, Got and it. then for whatever reason they decided to go a little more mainstream for it. But it's a it's a program that's designed uh, intentionally for comic book artists in mind. You can also do just regular illustrations on it. So if you're not a comic book artist and you don't plan on doing that, it's still worthy to go around and do illustration and if you're a writer i know this is definitely more on the art side of things but all knowledge about the medium is going to help you with your craft no matter where you land in the production and i think if, if you're an aspiring writer uh looking to to make comics and break into the industry it's it's definitely a pretty proven method if uh if you draw your own comics you got a much better chance of uh of breaking in rather than waiting around for an artist to come along there are way, there's, there's a list that I'm sure we've mentioned before or we're going to over and over. Just how many writers today started as artists? Yeah. There, there's so many. Or started so as, many. Yeah, or even just started as, as you know, drawing their own comic once and then uh, working with other artists from then on. Yeah, exactly. So it, you'd be surprised how many of those, those writers that you love to read in comics actually know how to actually put pen to paper. Absolutely. Um, and you don't need to do that, but it's... You don't need to be the best artist in the world. You just need to be able to tell a story. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, Clip Studio Paint. Um, there's there's a lot to the program that's worth your time. But I've just got it down to a couple bullet points here that will I'm gonna sell you on it. Uh, and a reason maybe that it's a, an alternative, uh, an al- something different, uh, alternative to Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still use Photoshop for coloring, primarily for me. Clip Studio Paint is uh, for inking uh, or line work, however you want to do. I'm combining my process into both. Mm-hmm. But first thing I want to talk about is it is cheap. Uh, Photoshop, and I'm going to be comparing it to Photoshop just because it's the most equivalent one. Yeah, that's, that's the only other real software that people are using in the industry. Anyway. It really is. So, I mean, like maybe in the future that'll change. Uh, but as of today in this mm-hmm. recording, it's really Photoshop versus Clip Studio Paint as an, a viable alternative. Yeah. Uh, Photoshop is a an expensive ongoing monthly uh, expense. It's, they've gone to a subscription model, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So 
if you want it, you got to pay monthly. Yeah. Uh, that is not the case with Clip Studio Paint. Uh, it retails for about 80 bucks once. Interesting. That's it. I'm going to let that hang for a second. <laughs> and then uh, that's for the pro version. The AX version is more expensive, around like 200 But I don't know what that one, what the extra features are, because I'm so satisfied with the standard version. I haven't really thought of things that I, else I could need, but I, I'm going to explore it eventually, so maybe I can you you know, know, come back to this. But You've, you've already that? given a little bit of misleading information. What do you because, mean? Because uh, they actually, for Clip Studio Paint Pro, their price is actually now $50. Uh, well, I, that's the sale price at the moment. So I, I wanted to say that I did, uh, and that's another point that I want to talk about here, was that they do sales constantly. So right now it is on sale for 50 uh, but that's more topical than I wanted to explore. So thank gotcha. you. Uh, I did wait and get mine out of sale. I hovered and watched and watched and watched, and eventually it did go on sale for Good a nice cheap price. And, uh, and that's uh, something I did want to discuss. So, well, no, you know what? Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, so I waited to, to get it, but you don't have to. Even at $80, it's a steal. It's a steal for full retail. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. The, so tell me, yeah, tell me some uh, of the advantages of, of Clip Studio. So the, what does it really do yeah, for they, you? Uh, well, another thing is they don't do replacements a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's it stays updated. There's updates that come, but not outdated. It's not like Photoshop before they did the subscription method where it'd be, oh, Photoshop version uh, 6, mm-hmm. Photoshop version 7 or whatever. It's, I've had the same one for two years now, and it's awesome. It's just, it's still, there are updates, but it's not, oh, well, now this is the outdated one. You need the new one mm-hmm. to, you know, to get up to Steam and to up to what the current stuff is. So that's awesome, too. But uh, getting into the nuts and bolts of it, and this is where I'm super, super excited. The first thing I want to talk about is templates. Oh, my God. It's incredible. When you're starting a new page in Clip Studio, uh-huh. uh, when you hit new uh, new page or new new document, it's going to ask you as one of the options you're going to have all your bleeds set up and that's another discussion to talk about. But once you've got the, your basics set up, there is an option to click on called templates Mm -hmm. and it gives you the layout of your page and what you want the panels to do. And by the time you're at this stage of drawing, whether it's the pencils or the inks, you should know what your panel layout's going to be. Mm -hmm. And if you do, does it give you like a bunch of pre-made sort of panel layouts or, or yeah, but it's a bunch. Uh, So it could be, Oh, um, three panels and I Mm -hmm. want them equally spaced, uh, and three equally sized panels spread across from top to bottom so they just go down vertically or maybe it's one large uh panel that takes up two-thirds of the size of the page Mm -hmm. and then two small panels at the bottom it has a ton of different arrangements there's dozens of different combinations of different number panels so all you have to do is select the layout that you want you hit okay and it loads up a new page with bleeds and panels ready to go and the panels wow. are masked so that if you click into it and you're drawing into it it uh-huh. won't go outside the panel oh that's really um, cool so it keeps it contained and that means it's streamlined and it's saving you a ton of time and then if you don't like those panels mm-hmm. the arrangements you can there's a tool that you can use to customize your own you can go you don't have to be doing it at the beginning of the document mm-hmm. you can do it middle of the, your page and you can go oh okay well you know what actually i want to do it this way or i want to customize it and i want to break out of it and you can bring up a tool that will make you be able to customize the size or the angle maybe you want yours to have a, a jitter to it or a, a a diagonal or something and then you can easily draw outside of the the panels by just you know putting a layer on top of all that stuff so it's very customizable and you can drag it out 
of the the panel that it's in. It's not set into stone. So you, it's the program is very similar to Photoshop. And so if you're new to Photoshop, it's great because it will get you in tune to a lot of the hotkeys are very similar. At least 80 to 90% of the hotkeys are the same as Photoshop, doing the same functions. And if not, the other 10%, mm-hmm. you can just retool it to the same one. So if you're new to Photoshop, this is going to get you acquainted with what it's like to use Photoshop. If you're an old hat at Photoshop, that means you can jump right in and you're, you know, you're good to go. So uh, with, with those templates, is it, is it all yeah. like 11 by 17 or are there a bunch of different sizes for like different format books? Uh, the ones that I was, I've only done 11 by 17. Uh-huh. So that's the only examples that I have. But when you are starting out, you can customize the page and what the arrangement is. You don't have to do 11 by 17. You specifically enter in that information and it remembers it. And then you can have different layouts that you want to do. So then you, I don't know so if it'll have different ones. Okay. So one would assume probably that, that they probably have templates for other layouts because i mean even even like regular manga uh, manga isn't 11 by 17 that they draw on right isn't it different dimensions true exactly i think that the they're based on what your oh god i'm so terrible at comic terms there's uh there's cut there's bleeds and then there's the core what's it called this i can't uh, remember the main uh that's a term that i should know but it's move on it's the it's the core area that you should be drawing in Mm -hmm. like the guaranteed that if you draw on this it will show up in the finished product i think they're aligned with that interesting uh but i haven't that's a good question i haven't uh, varied my sizing because i just do 11 by 17 yeah uh but they're those templates save so much time and the fact that they're masked it means you hit new hit start and normally you're going to be repeating the same page not the templates but the yeah, the, the same page the size. Yeah, the same page size. So it just means you're it's just you're hitting it and you're you're getting to the next page that much faster. So you're spending more time drawing rather than doing the setup. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that like I drives me crazy is how much time it takes to do that. And this program eliminated a bunch of it. Uh, next thing I want to talk about uh, were brushes. Um, I struggled with Photoshop. Obviously, there's hundreds, thousands of brushes out there, but the one that I wanted, I even tried to make it myself. I I did tutorials on how to make it, and I just wanted a brush that would be a fine point to thick, depending on the pressure. And that's Mm -hmm. it. No extra little bells and whistles. I just wanted one fine point to thick. And I couldn't get Photoshop to do it the way I wanted it to. Mm. It's really hard to describe it. Maybe if I had an hour to show you what I meant, but (laughs) the um, I was able to create that brush in in clip studio within 30 minutes of opening the program for the first time. And that was with me not knowing the program. So that to me was a big thing. This, this program is designed for people making comics. So they know what you want, what your needs are, and they're already set up to meet them. Uh, mm-hmm. What's really cool is there are also lots of texture brushes that you can also use. And Photoshop is going to have those too, but they're brushes that I just haven't seen other, photoshop kits come with mm-hmm. and it's really hard to describe but it's it's they are leaning more towards like the manga side of things but i've seen people use them for american comics yeah even like superman and batman comics like i know that i see that brush and i'm like oh man they're using clip studio uh so it's it's something that pros are definitely using not all of them but some mm-hmm. uh, probably my favorite option coming up here that i want to talk about is clear uh, or the eraser tool. It's a. Di- it's not the eraser tool in Clip Studio, mm-hmm. 
I don't know what else to call it other than go, like it's it's a clear option. So when in Photoshop and same with Clip Studio, you have two colors that you can switch back and forth from. Mm-hmm. So whether it's black and white or whatever color combinations you want it to be, uh, I'm doing typically just my line work in Clip Studio. So I usually have black and I have white. Uh-huh. But they have a third one in Clip Studio, and this blows Photoshop out of the water, and it's clear. So normally you'd be like, well, then that's it's basically use it as an eraser tool. Mm-hmm. But you'd be like, well, Photoshop is an eraser tool. Yeah, well, Clip Studio has one too. But the part that makes it absolutely killer is that when you're drawing with whatever brush you're using, whatever um, texture you're using, if you want to switch to the eraser tool mm-hmm. in Photoshop or in Clip Studio, it's going to remember whatever the last brush that was used in the eraser. So you better hope to God that it's the exact one that you're using. Cause typically I like to erase with the same brush that I'm drawing with. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So I like you, cause you can have any yeah, number of combinations. Then the lines kind of match erasers. up. Cause sometimes you can see like the eraser is just like softer than the brush that you're drawing your line art with. And so it creates like a weird edge on one side of the line and stuff like that. Exactly. And yeah. it happens to me a ton, but with this option of having it be clear, it means it's exactly the way that brush looked. And yeah, you could just switch it to white. Mm-hmm. But if you're working with layers, then that means that you sometimes are going to be drawing over layers that are below it and that the white isn't going to actually be helpful or not. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going if you're using it as clear, then it makes it it's super smooth and that means there's no white on any of your layers mm-hmm. uh, until you go and, you know, export it out of the program. Uh, that is that has saved me so much time. That might be the single best option in Interesting. the program. And Photoshop doesn't have an equivalent. Interesting. Yeah. That, to me, is like, that's an easy, easy fix. And that's my eraser tool. And so it doesn't matter which brush you pick. And you're always going to have ready to go one button, have the eraser of the exact same size of the brush. Mm-hmm and the exact same tool that you're using, no matter what. Uh, and then you also still have the ability to go black and white. So those are some awesome stuff. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is the um, if you're using reference, we've, which we've talked about in other episodes. Yeah. Um, actually, I mean, Steve Lieber, who who we you know actually talked about, he uses photo reference a lot. He is also a, a Clip Studio, Studio user. He does all of his pages um, in Clip Studio and imports his photo reference and stuff. So yeah, go on. It's uh, yeah, it's it, there are a lot of pros that use it. And when you're importing uh, your reference, it works just like Photoshop, same equivalent levels, which at the very least, it's cheaper. So it's better if it's the same. <laughs> uh, but when you bring it in, it also has it does every Photoshop can do almost all of these tools mm-hmm. uh, that Clip Studio does. But there's less options in Cl- Clip Studio. So there's not this extra stuff that you're getting lost in and it's really like one or two buttons to click where you can change the reference that you're bringing in Mm -hmm. to like blue line and the default is to change it to blue so that you can easily put it under and for me i love changing it to to blue Mm. Uh, that way it stands out from the black inks and then fading it is is the same easiness as photoshop uh so that's that's really really handy Another thing that you can do is you can specifically designate it. I don't know if it's called reference. It might be called draft layer. Mm-hmm. But you can designate um, what I do is I, I reference. So usually maybe it's my pencils. I will I will designate it. And it's a one button that's already out on your layers panel. Mm-hmm. And it's like a blue pencil thing, I think. And you hit it. And basically what it does is it creates this layer. You designate it as a draft layer. So what it does is when you're using the magic wand, 
it doesn't ever detect that layer. Cool. That's it. That's really that's actually super handy. It's super handy. That means you're only selecting your inks, and mm-hmm. it's ignoring all the different tones that you have in a scan. So if you have a photo, no matter what it is, it's just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that. So and you could do the same thing if you locked the layer. Yeah. But I don't think Photoshop does. And this is another part that's really cool. Talking, it kind of goes hand in hand with the magic wand. I I haven't found this, and maybe there's a one button that I have to click on Photoshop. But again, it's I'm trying to figure out Photoshop, and there's just too many options. Where the magic wand in Clip Studio automatically defaults to selecting every layer. Interesting. Which is really handy because sometimes you're you're adding 12 to 15 layers and sometimes one layer just has a little squiggle on it yeah. but that's what you need it to be in that specific you know moment yeah there's, and there's when you a use... way to accomplish that in photoshop but it is it is a little different yeah exactly but this one defaults to it and i found it and maybe there's just one button in photoshop and i'm mm-hmm. dead wrong on how easy it is but it makes it so that you can select just the blank white area or just the blank or just the black lines or whatever but it will it treat when you're using the magic wand. It treats all the layers as one, and I prefer that for my method mm. uh, because then it's like okay for this area here around the silhouette of the character, I've got 15 layers of that character silhouette, and I don't want to combine them quite yet. Um, so I'm going to select around them with a the wand. It, I don't have to set up anything. I don't have to customize any of the layers. To go oh please ignore this or do some button. It automatically does it. Now, and then on, it's ignoring the draft layer. On the on the converse, is there a way to get it to just select one layer? I believe so. I think it's in the magic wand tool. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty confident that you can have it select one layer. Okay. Either that or you just make the other layers go invisible. That's the other way to do it. Mm-hmm. Is manually just make them all go away. And then just select the one. Okay. Way. But um I I haven't really needed to oh you know what? I think all you have to do is select that layer and just do control all. Mm. Typically, I'm only moving around small elements, mm-hmm. so I don't need to have... I don't know. Uh, it had to be situational. I'd have to go yeah. uh, with you on that. Uh, another thing is, when we talked about the reference layer, being able to change the color really easily. Another thing that you can also re- really easily... Oh, and you can change the color to anything, but I do blue, and it's defaulted to blue. Yeah. But another thing that you can easily change it to, and it's not just reference, it's any layer, it's your inks, it's whatever you're dropping down. It could be color. I don't typically do a lot of color in Clip Studio. I still mm-hmm. use Photoshop for that. But uh, what you can do is any layer, there's like one to two buttons. All you have to do is click, and you can turn it into uh, that layer into Benday dots, uh, also called halftones, also called zipatones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is crazy the amount of manipulation that you can do and the speed that you could do. And yeah, you could do that in Photoshop, but this is already pre-built in. It's yeah, already good to go. That's pretty amazing because I have I have had some struggles in in getting zipatones the way that I like them in Photoshop. Like Kyle Webster has some good um, zipatone brushes, but they're they're like I, I have kind of struggled to get it exactly how I I typically prefer it um, in Photoshop. So that's that's really good to know. I, I haven't used it much uh, myself, but it's something that I know is like ready to go, and eventually I will be using it. It's just not the particular project I'm working on right now, but maybe in the future, maybe if I experiment a little more. But it's something that I'm absolutely stoked that it's a part of the program, and it's something that I can easily use, and it's so easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't figure it out yourself, a quick YouTube search will will answer almost all of these questions mm-hmm. uh, for you, and so it's. Uh, it's a program that like I want to just close with a few more things is it's a very 
it's got two major things besides the cost and all the things I mentioned mm-hmm. is there's not I, I don't have it I don't feel like it's lacking anything, but what it does have is it's trimmed down from Photoshop. Photoshop has a ton of options because it's not just for people making comics. It's mm-hmm. for people doing tons of creative work. And it's not that Clip Studio is only for comics, but it starts for comic book creators. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of the options are for. They're tilted towards it or they're just that stuff. Yeah, it's so more, you're it's not more getting... focused than Photoshop, whereas Photoshop is for like per- basically yeah, everybody. Everybody in all sorts of different you know, uh, lines of work use Photoshop for tons of different things. And so Photoshop is kind of all-encompassing, whereas you know, the Clip Studio is pretty much for, for comics, illustration, and animation. And those are the only really areas they kind of touch. Exactly. And you'd think you're like, well, I want some of those options for the other stuff. No, mm-hmm. not really. You, uh, not for me. Everyone's Especially got their own process and everyone's got their yeah. own way. Exactly. And that's me talking. Someone could disagree strong with me and that's awesome. Everyone's got their own process. But I've, I really like to explore programs and really find lots of options. I love to experiment. And it has almost everything I could possibly need for a line working program for comics. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's focused and it's trim. The other thing is kind of going on the, the same way. It's just talking about the same thing is mm-hmm. it doesn't use a lot of computing power. That and was, that's also one of its best features. That was actually my next question because I'll, and I'll tell you, I, I am actually a, a pretty strong believer in Photoshop. That is all like all of the digital drawing and painting I've done has been through Photoshop it's it's what I know. Um, it's a great program. Yeah, and and I I have a, a Surface Pro three, which at this point is getting you know a little old. They've had you know two new generations of Surface since then. Um, I've found that when I'm and this is one of the reasons why I've kind of done a lot more of my process um, traditionally lately is because I find that the more I use Photoshop, the the harder it is on my processor. My Surface gets really hot, um, and so that's honestly one of the big reasons I've been. Uh, considering using Clip Studio lately is because I, I have heard that that it's it's you know I mean have you found that it's significantly less intensive on your processor than than Photoshop? Yes. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's super super fast. It it's it's amazingly how it's it's, it's crazy how fast it is. It, mm. and even, so that means if you have a computer that's already souped up for Photoshop, it's mm. going to fly. But it also means if you have a computer that's not as a high range model, mm-hmm. that you'll be able to maybe use this where you're like, man, I just can't. I can afford Photoshop, but I can't afford upgrading my computer or the converse of that. But this is it's eighty dollars and it's a low low um, taxation on your computing resources, mm-hmm. and that also affects your brushes sometimes. Like. Constantly, I'm fiddling with Photoshop brushes because even I've got a decent. It's, it used to be great, but now it's just decent. It's aged a bit. Uh, computer for mm-hmm. using Photoshop, and you have to adjust the brushes sometimes because they're just too powerful for your system. Yeah, I've never had that issue in Clip Studio because and, there's just so much going on. And then those taxations affect the line work. It's chugging, so it's instead of having the smooth arc, it's like creating like diagonals and then the brush isn't having the correct pressure mm-hmm. and it ruins the brush you cannot you can't use it and you have to adjust the brush or not use it at all together and i've never had issues like that with clip studio yeah i i will say there and there are two sides to this so um you know a, 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 there are a couple names i know of who use clip studio um full-time for their line art and there are a couple of names i know of who use photoshop full-time for their art um so for instance fiona staples uh, who illustrates saga is you know 
I think one of the top names in illustration these days uh, off the success of Saga. She also did Archie and a couple other things. Um, she does all of her line art in uh, in Clip Studio um, and almost always has, I believe. Um, I didn't know that. I thought she was an exclusive Photoshop user. Well, so yeah, that's the thing. She she does all of her line art in, in uh, Clip Studio, but then actually does all of her colors in Photoshop. Gotcha. That's the and same so, as me. I do that. Yeah, and she, she actually, I mean, most of her stuff, like, she will basically do the characters and kind of the foreground stuff in, in line art, and then she basically just paints all of her backgrounds in Photoshop and does sort of like, almost like silhouetting for her backgrounds. If you look through Saga and look through the pages, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, and so I think that the vast majority of her work is done in Photoshop, but in terms of like the characters and the expressions and, and kind of the, the f- composition of the scene, she does all of that in, um, in Clip Studio as well as laying out the page and stuff. Um, she's and a Steve, Titan. She, she is, is. Yeah. She's crazy. She's, she can do a col- full color pages on a monthly schedule. That is <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And I mean, granted, they only, their release schedule is like nine issues a year. They basically take, you know, like two to three months off in between uh, each arc. But even still, to be able to do the type of line and color work that she does uh, at that rate is amazing. Yeah. But she's also doing freelance stuff and color, covers and yep. she's doing other stuff. So maybe it could be if it was a 12 month, she could still possibly do it or not. It's yeah. good enough that, yeah, that and- she's able to do that. And speaking of that, so we, you know, we also said Steve Lieber does all of his line art in, in Clip Studio. Um, but uh, on the Photoshop side, though, there are strong contenders that use Photoshop for everything. So, for instance, Mitch Garrods uh, from Mr. Miracle as well as Sheriff of Babylon and, and Batman. Um, yep. Mitch Garrods goes 100% these days. He used to be traditional, um, but he is 100% in Photoshop. He does all of his uh, line art in Photoshop. He does all of his colors in Photoshop. He's somebody who does 12 issues a year. And he does all of his line art and colors through Photoshop. And especially his color work is very intricate. Um, but he's 100% impressive. in Photoshop. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, as well as Francis Manipal, who you will know from the New 52 Flash, as well as Detective Comics. Um, currently, he's doing uh, DC No Justice with Scott Snyder. Um, he did Trinity. He's I, I think Francis Manipal is one of the best artists working in comics. And he's also 100% in, um, in Photoshop. He also uses uh, a Surface like, like you and I do. Um, yeah, we are, we are Surface Bros. Surface Bros. Surface Bro <laughs> 3. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know Francis and Mitch both are 100% Photoshop users. Um, and I know that I'm pretty sure both of them are, at least I know for sure that Francis has dabbled in, in Clip Studio. Um, but it seems like they both kind of prefer staying in Photoshop. However, there are also, I think, an equal number of people on both sides of this fence. Um, the consensus seems to be that color work is typically better or preferred in Photoshop. Um, yeah, I don't I, know I of anyone. Found it as well. Yeah, like I, I prefer doing colors in Photoshop, but I haven't tried Clip Studio. I just know that most people in the industry tend to use Photoshop for that. Um, but honestly, the fact that the Clip Studio is lighter on the processor is a huge selling point for me. Um, I do know... So Kyle T. Webster is a huge name uh, for, for digital artists. Um, he makes a lot of brushes. Uh, the vast majority of people who, who work in Photoshop use Kyle Webster brushes for both coloring and for line art. Um, and that's been a big reason why a lot of people haven't wanted to switch to Clip Studio. Uh, when we were discussing this topic, I did a little bit of research on my end, and I found that Kyle Webster, although he doesn't make any brushes for Clip Studio... Um, he highly and has, has spoken very, very highly of another person who makes brushes uh, named Fen- Frenden, F-R-E-N-D-E-N. 
Um, he makes brushes for Clip Studio that apparently Kyle Webster thinks are amazing, and Kyle Webster is kind of the name in in brushes. Um, and so that is somebody, if you are somebody who's currently using Photoshop and enjoys Kyle Webster's brushes, uh, switching over to Clip Studio, you might not actually be necessarily sacrificing much because apparently Friendin is a very, very good brush maker. Um, and I also know that Fiona Staples has talked a lot about how she thinks that the default brushes in Clip Studio are, are fantastic and she let, she works with the default ones. Um, yeah, I work with the, the default ones besides the my main one that I use, which I made. Brush. I, I customized my one brush, and mm-hmm. but I use the rest, and not all of them, but like a lot of them, yeah, because uh, they're great. They do lots of cool stuff, and there's other extra features that are just like little min- minute little things that are still really cool. That just too wide a scope to talk about in the one podcast, but mm-hmm. it's there's lots of cool options in the program, and then you touched on it. Uh, there's animation that you could do for it that I haven't even gotten anywhere near, and I've never explored the EX side of what the program does. I have no idea what that does at all. Uh, so there's I think, more I, to this program. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the EX version incorporates a little bit of like Illustrator kind of features stuff to like actually oh. put, put the comic to itself together. That's what I th- I I think, but I'm not 100 percent positive. It, I, I'm I am willing to learn. I just got to find <laughs> a a place to learn it. Uh, Absolutely, so it's, it's it's a great program. If you don't use it, that's that's no worries. But if you're ever curious about the program, I think this is a, a pretty good uh, breakdown for someone just just getting to know it totally um well i think that uh, that just about does it for for this uh this episode and this topic unless you have anything else you wanted to add kent no nope, just uh just give it a try and there's free trials so you can always well, you do a, there's no reason to not to experiment with it free trial give it a shot boy what a what a discussion kent the twice over twice over many discussion times we've had a lot of laughs today we've all we've we've had some laughs some tears some uh screams a few yells from fourth scream fourth yeah mm-hmm. see look at that look at that mm-hmm. branding that mm-hmm. had some bruises mm-hmm. um it's been a good time but it's time to button this thing up before we do so though as we do each and every week we like to recommend a resource for learning on your comics journey make you a better creator uh this week kent what's your recommended resource Oh, it's me? I'm going to go? Okay, I've got one already queued up. Uh, recently, I have been uh, researching and kind of talked about it before on publishers. I am trying to pitch my comic to publishers, and maybe that's another topic for another time. But in my search of how to do it, I came across a publisher by the name of First Second. Oh, First Second's wonderful. First Second Books, and I've, I've read tons of stuff from them. Yep. They are a great, great publisher, and they have a blog on their on their website that is just packed full of it's there's honest and there's not a lot to it might take you an hour to read so it's not a ton but what is there is just really dialed down to really good stuff on how to submit to them what they're looking for uh for work and it's not just descriptions of oh what to submit to us it's just kind of like the mindset of of being in the comics industry and how to apply and it's also not it's it gives you different things on like oh you should do it like this you should be applying and pitching to people if you already have a comic you should be doing it like this if you mm-hmm. this is your first time you should be doing it like this so there's a lot of variety there to get uh the 
team that worked on that uh, blog also has another resource that I'm going to recommend in the future on another episode. Uh, so, but it's a, uh, that's a, that's an amazing resource. First, second books and just their blog, which I think if you go to their main page, it's just, you hit home and you start scrolling. That took me a while to figure out because I was finding it by doing internet searches through Google and then Google was taking me directly to the posts. Uh, if you're looking for it just yourself, just go to first, second books.com. I think that's the website and then just go to home or you're probably already there. You just hit scrolling and there's a couple of years worth of uh, posts, but it's not super dense. So it's worth just go, go there right now and check it out. Yeah. Uh, but also just a fun little tidbit. Uh, they have an FAQ and they, it's titled the, the link for it on the top of the website is for FAQ sake. So for, for fuck's sake, that's great. Ah. Like it's a great, that's a, that's an amazing little joke that they planted there. Fuck's so. sake. For like fact's sake, yeah, that's a uh, that was. I'm like, man, these people have a good sense of humor. If that's on their homepage, yeah, that's good. It's good stuff. It's the best thing about comics. Yeah, I'm like, that's uh, pretty magical. I loved it. Uh, that's the that's the recommended resource of the week. Wonderful. Uh, I'd like to thank both Ken Lashley and Jordan Boyd for joining us on this episode. Uh, I'd also like to thank Sean Rosner for uh, providing the music that we use on each and every episode. Yeah, go check out his album, Burn Away, Defy the Night, and his Instagram, rosner.art.music. And also thank you to our Patreons, pa- patrons. Thanks to our patrons, patrons on Patreon. And specifically, Melody Mew. Our first patron. Very, very first patron. If you'd like to join Melody Mew, make sure you go over to patreon.com slash Workshop and sign up to support us. Uh, you can follow us on social media, any platform, at TMBC Workshop. Kent, where can they find you personally? Personally, you can find me at Kent Heidelman on pretty much any social media platform, but my favorite is Instagram. Hell yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at a white kid. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at that might be cool. Um, and uh, we are going to send this ship off into the ocean, as we do each and every week, by asking a creator why they love comics. However, this week, two people will be telling us why they love comics. Twice as good. Twice as good. There are two people you've already heard from in this episode, so uh, let's hear it from uh, Ken Lashley, and then we'll hear it again from uh, Jordan Boyd. I just love the medium. I love the hero, the mythos of the hero. You know, I love that, you know, being more than meets the eye. I, I love that. I love that story, you know. I mean, maybe it's because, you know, I, 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 I really like the idea of more than what you see you know what I mean and and I think that you know that's, that's I think that's everyone sort of would love to have that I mean like, I'm, you are they see you and they judge you based on what you look like yeah. but you know that there's more into the skin or what they see and I think that's the core of comic books is like that yeah, yeah. you know that, that that moment where you know you you know you strip it away and I'm I'm a hero under here you know I'm not a, I'm not a guy that works at this store I'm really this guy you know yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's what I really love about comic books, you know. Awesome, man. And uh, for for everybody listening, where can they find you? You know, see your pieces and and kind of follow your work. Oh yeah, my Instagram. I'm Leadkilla, L-E-D-K-I-L-L-A on Instagram and uh, yeah on on Facebook as well. Um, my site, new site, Leadkilla Boom is going to be coming up soon. I'm, I have it, an older site there now. It's going to be pretty wild. It's been taking me like four months to build everything. I got a great team making it. It's going to be amazing. So uh, uh, I can't wait for that to get up and rolling, but that's, what, that's what's next. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ken. Anytime, my friend. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a medium that allows for infinite flexibility and, uh, and also requires a very small, to, small team all the way down to one person able to produce uh, visual visual story 
uh, stuff. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to. It's it's the it's the uh, boundlessness of the medium that that I find, and the relative cheapness of producing it that I find interesting. Be cool.com. You never know.